I can't tell you how much I missed you last Sunday. It was bad. In fact, it messes my whole week up if I can't be in church on Sunday. And so I hope your week was terrible. I mean, I... <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the drawbacks of not having church last week was last Sunday was Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And uh, I wanted the opportunity to express to you, many of you that are members of our church, you were very familiar with where we stand as it relates to the Sanctity of Human Life. And uh, uh, I was going to have you pray for a decision that was coming up this week that now we know has been made. Uh, our governor signed a bill, perhaps one of the most destructive bills into law that I have ever seen as it relates to the unborn. And uh, I, am, I am not one that likes to use the pulpit for political things, but I don't believe that the sanctity of human life is a political issue. I believe it's a moral issue. And I want you to be in prayer because just because this may have been signed into law, there are still women that have to make decisions on a daily basis, and I'm praying that through the Spirit of the Lord, addressing a woman and perhaps the man that is with her in a crisis moment, that he can lead and guide to life. Um, as many of you are aware, I, I serve as a trustee on New Hope, which is a, a, a crisis pregnancy and adoption center, and represented within our church, we have uh, Kathy German, who is the incoming executive director, and you know, Kathy, I just saw you. We want to just raise a hand. There it is, right back there. Uh, please be in prayer for Kathy. Uh, Dick Walker, who is also part of our church, is the chairman of the board. Ron Kenyon is one of the executive board members as well. And again, I serve as a trustee. So we are well represented in an organization that we believe ministers well to our community. But we are facing some challenges uh, as New York State begins to try to apply laws uh, to us that uh, we don't feel are right and appropriate. And so be in prayer that God gives us wisdom as we travel this way. And as you're praying, here's what I'd like you to pray for. I'd like you to pray that God would, would work in the hearts of those women who find themselves in difficult positions. Uh, and that God would deposit within them and around them a circle of people that can walk with them through the journey of a difficult time. And I believe that we as a church are called to do that. We're called to love. We're called to, to respond in situations where it may be difficult. And just pray that God would uh, help them provide life-affirming choices. Uh, likewise, we need to be in prayer for those women who have suffered through abortion and are facing the, the massive emotional scars that come along with things of that. God is a healer, and we're going to hear about that today. God is a healer, and there's nothing outside his realm. But do you be in prayer for the women uh, who have gone th through that, and then pray that somehow our nation and our, our state can begin to build a culture of life, to begin to build a culture of life. And I, I wanted the opportunity last week to express that to you. didn't have it, but it was so important that I at least wanted to bring it to your attention. And, uh, and be in prayer for our, our political leaders, that they will hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say and that they will be obedient to God. And so, thank you for that. Uh, this morning, I'm going to ask that you would turn to Psalm chapter 103. Today, we are focusing in on I Pray for Healing. It's, it's part of the, 
the I Pray series that we've been doing. And by the way, the, the message I was going to preach last week, I will preach next week. Uh, and so we'll get caught up with where we were on that. But traditionally, for the last several years, the last Sunday in January, we have set aside as a special focus on divine healing. We as Assemblies of God people believe that this is one of our tenets of belief, that God divinely heals we have seen it. We've heard the testimonies of it. We believe in his power. And uh, we are going to be praying for that and praying for each of you that desire to be prayed for at the end of the service. But this morning what I would like to do is, is briefly kind of take a survey of the Scripture as we go through the Old Testament, the New Testament, some of the work of Jesus and the people that he had talked to that are his people and how divine healing looked as we go through. And uh, I'm not going to have a chance to read all the scriptures, so what I'm going to ask you to do is take the bulletin that you've got, and as I'm mentioning scriptures, I'd like you to just jot down the reference so that you can follow up with that and make that a part of your devotional plan as we go forward. But I do want to start in Psalm chapter 103, verses 1 through 4, that says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. I love that praise always starts on the inside before it bursts to the outside. It, it has to start somewhere. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. How many of you are glad that your relationship with God comes with benefits? Wonderful. Forget not all of his benefits. And then he begins to list a few for us. Who forgives all our sins. That's the greatest benefit that any of us will ever have. The fact that I used to be one way, intersected the grace of God through his sacrifice for me, and then I have been forgiven of all of that, and I walk in his righteousness. That's the greatest healing and miracle that could ever take place. And then it says, he heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Have any of you ever felt like you've lived a week in the pit? Some of you are in a week. A week? Are you kidding me? I've had seasons in the pit. He redeems us from that. And he crowns you with love and compassion. Father, as we come before you this morning, I pray that you would begin to build such a sense of spiritual anticipation of what your Holy Spirit is about to do that will literally change lives, heal sickness, heal disease in such a way that your name, your name is elevated above every name. And that we will live in a place of giving you thanks for all that you have done. So, Father, I pray that you would bring nourishment to our souls from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you have thought about it much or not, but faith is not a natural instinct for us. It's not a natural thing for us. Doubt is natural. Fear is natural. Living on our collective experiences is natural. Trusting our physical senses is natural. Envying the lives and the marriages of others is natural. Wishing that you had more power over other people's decisions is natural. In fact, manipulating situations so that you can get a desired outcome is natural. Looking horizontally for a piece that can only be given vertically is natural. Giving way to despondency, allowing ourselves to become discouraged, even to the places of depression and despair, is natural. Numbing ourselves with activities and material things and busyness and food and alcohol and other substances is natural. Lowering our standards 
To deal with disappointment is natural, but faith is not natural. So it is in grace that God rescues you and me from natural thinking from the natural paths that we would desire to take and places within us when we come into relationship with him, his Holy Spirit, so that our thinking can be transformed from the inside out, from that which is natural to us to that which is supernaturally given to us through him. So that the natural ways of thinking become something that was in our past and we begin to have a new trust and hope in the way that he leads us supernaturally. Because it doesn't come from us. It's not based in us. It is the nature of God himself that takes up residence within us that allows us to trust him more. In fact, it tells us in Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. In other words, he's making it very clear. You do not have the ability to have faith. It's not natural for you. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So today as we begin to look at Scripture and prepare ourselves for this, what we need to do is say, I need your Holy Spirit to begin to activate within me, to begin to energize within me a supernatural hope and desire that I can see you accomplish today what you desire to do because it's not within me. Faith is not natural, but it comes through you. And as you begin to be in sincere prayer for this divine healing service that we're going to be having, I I pray that we will be able to lay a scriptural foundation of why we expect healings to take place when we come before the Lord in faith. So for those of you that have an outline, the first thing I'd like to just highlight with you is the Word of God and healing. As you begin to look through the Old Testament, there are different places, and I certainly don't have time for the exhaustive list, but I want to highlight a few of them. In Genesis chapters 18 through 21, we learn of the barrenness of Sarah. She simply was unable to have a child. And one of the things about this passage is that It was the length of time in which she found herself in need. She was 100 years old when God allowed her to have a baby. So here's what I want you to know. For those of you that have been facing a physical issue in your life, and it seems as if it's been a long time and you have prayed about this again and again and again, what you need to know from Scripture is it's not the length of time, it's not that God's power is diminished because it's gone on so long, it's that He has a time and He has a place appointed by which that when He brings healing to your life, it will bring Him the most glory. So though you have been facing a situation for any length of time and to the point where you said, I have quit praying about this because I don't think it's the will of God, the scripture indicates to us that there is no length of time that diminishes his power to act when he is ready and when he wants to. And so be encouraged by that. We also know that through that he provided a miracle to to sustain the messianic lineage. Then you move into Exodus 15, and it talks a little bit in verses 20 through 22 through 26, using the name Jehovah Rapha. And, And wrapped up in the meaning of that name of God is this. It literally means to make you whole thoroughly. To make you whole thoroughly. In other words, when God does a work... He does it so completely and so perfectly that all you can do is sit back and give him glory. We know that Scripture says in, in verse 26 of that chapter 15, it says, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, 
If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you thoroughly. You move on from there into the Psalms, and there's a description that is given that there was a healing that took place, and the Scripture says there was not one feeble one among them. In other words, there was a mass move of the healing of God that affected everybody in that whole congregation. I'm ready for that. Are you ready for a sweeping move of the Spirit that leaves not one feeble? We recognize in Numbers chapter 12 when it talks about the leprosy of Miriam that by her own sin she had entered into a rebellion against God and his people and against his leadership. As a result of that there was a consequence that came to her and she was struck with leprosy. But it also says that she came and she humbled herself before the Lord and as she did that God brought healing to her. Some of you today I recognize are facing things in your life that are the consequences of decisions that you have made in disobedience to the Lord. And as a result of that some of you have said I am getting what I deserve. I didn't listen to the Lord. I walked in disobedience and here it is. But I'm here to tell you today that our God is a God of such redemption that if we will humble ourselves before the Lord, He brings a healing to us as we make ourselves right with Him again. Oh, hallelujah for the completeness of our God. We know in Numbers 21 that they made a brazen serpent, a serpent of bronze, and Moses lifted it up on a pole, and when the people looked at it, they looked at that pole and lived, which we recognize is also a picture and a type of the Messiah that was raised up on the cross, and today... We come before the Lord and seek his healing because he was bruised for our iniquities and he beaten and his, by his stripes we are healed. He bore our sins and our sicknesses on the tree. We move from there into the, the lives and ministry of the prophets and we look at Elijah and Elisha. We know in 1 Kings chapter 17 that the widow's son who had sustained Elijah when he was there and, and through the oil and the, meal, and the meal that had provided, she sustained him that her son had died. We know that the prophet looked as she came carrying her son to him and, and he began to cry out to God saying, why would you take the life of the son of the one whom you have used to spare me? And that it begins to speak of how he laid himself over that boy three times and prayed and God brought him back to life, indicating to us there's nothing too hard for our God. Moves into the second Kings chapter 5, talks about Naaman, who was a very arrogant leader who was struck with leprosy. He came before the prophet, and the prophet didn't even come out, send a messenger out to talk to him and tell him, here's what I need you to do. You need to go to the River Jordan and dip seven times. And he was angry that he was being treated, not in a way that he expected, because I'm a big, powerful man. I expect the prophet to come out. And it was a servant who came to him and said, listen, if he had asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. Why can't you take the recommendation and go and finally he humbled himself and as he did God brought healing to him sometimes God heals through process sometimes he heals through obedience one of the most interesting passages of scripture there is is found in 2nd Kings 13 where some Israelites were at a funeral a man had died and as they're having the funeral they see a raiding party come and they were right near the the uh, tomb of Elisha and so they I don't know if they opened it up or what they did but they threw the dead body in there he hits the bones of Elisha and he comes back to life I want to see that when I get to heaven 
I, I have this image in my mind. I can't wait to see what that looked like. To have them throw in a dead man and a live man comes running out because he touched the bones of the prophet. We find the great promise in Isaiah 53, 4 that surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Now here, here's an important point as we're going through this. The healing that God makes available to us is not merely a physical healing, but there's also an emotional healing that is available. He's acquainted with our sorrows. He's acquainted with the things. I've had more people tell me today, I could not sleep last night. I've had such troubling thoughts, things going on. And I begin to recognize it's because there's sorrows that are beginning to crowd their mind. Our God will relieve the sorrows. He's a God that brings healing to our mind. Whatever it is that you've been walking with, the guilt of it, and, and it's, it's struggle in your mind and you're battling with yourself, and I want you to know our God will heal you emotionally as well as your infirmities. He said he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Then in the survey, we move into the New Testament, and we begin to recognize that in the life of Jesus, there were so many times that, that he delivered those that were demon-possessed. He, he healed lepers. He healed the blind. He healed the deaf, the dumb, the epileptic, the feverish, the paralytic, those with withered limbs or those with dropsy, which to us would be swelling. And then he raised the dead to life. He indicated that there was nothing on this earth that was outside of his power to change the condition of. Nothing. The most encouraging thing to us today then is that after doing these things, he looks at his disciples and he tells them in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons, freely you have received, freely give. Here's what that means to me. We believe that the scripture says that each of us are priests unto the Lord. And while today we will be gathering the elders of the church, those that have some, some spiritual experiences because that's a part of the Bible, it also indicates to me that there is not one of you that is in relationship with God that does not have the ability to tap into the healing power of God. And when you find yourself in this situation, to lay hands on somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In fact, the power in the name of Jesus will explode in this community if the church will rise up and be the church. Freely we've received, freely give. I believe that today God is going to do something that is going to encourage our faith so that we can step up and be the people God wants us to be. There's also healing through the word of God itself. He tells us in Psalm 107, I sent my word and healed them. Some of you today may be healed while you're hearing me preach. Because it's not the format that heals, it's the Word of God that heals. And some of you may have been battling and, and, and worrying about the, uh, on the fence of faith and something is going to spark within you and as you hear it you're going, now's my moment and God can deliver you and heal you right this second because it's His Word that brings the healing. I have known cases where people simply were reading the Bible in a devotional moment in their own homes when the power of God began to fall on them and it changed them in that moment. Because again, it's not the form or the formula, it's the one we love and the one we know. In fact, it tells us in Luke 5, 17, one day while he was teaching, 
people who had come from every village in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. You know, while he was teaching, they were being healed. Maybe this is your moment. We move from that into the will of God and healing. How do we know that it's, it's God's will to bring healing to us? Because it's his word. It is impossible to disconnect God's will from his word. And the purpose of the word is to reveal his will. And so what does the Bible say? It tells us in 3 John 2, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Matthew 7, 9. He's speaking now and comparing the love of a parent to that of a child. And he says, how many of you, if your child asked for bread, you'd give him a stone? How much more will your father in heaven give you good gifts? In other words, I, I, I notice this is a reoccurring theme, especially for those of us that are parents, where he's constantly tapping into the greatest love that there is, which is a parent for their child. And he's saying, if this is your greatest love, if this is what you see, then you need to know that I'm a better parent than you are. What I have for you is greater than anything that you could ever do. I desire to give good gifts to my children. And in those moments, I am so glad I am one of his children because I serve a God that gives benefits. And he begins to respond to us that way. He tells us in James 5.16, pray for one another that you may be healed. So why is it God's will to heal us? Number one, because he loves you. He loves you. It says in Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear him. I believe that according to Scripture that the cross was for everyone. There were not some of you that qualified because of the, the cross and some of you that didn't. He died for us all. He wishes that none would, would perish. There was a, a, a universal love that was given when he died on the cross and we also recognize that because of the stripes that he suffered, that we can lay hold of a healing, not only for our soul, which is the greatest healing, but also for our physical body. We also recognize that he loves to heal because in some instances, sickness is an enemy. 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 15, verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. In other words, the Lord looks at sickness as an opportunity to be a triumpher. He looks at the opportunity in your life to elevate himself, to, to overcome those things in your life that have been hindering you. And having presented that as the will of God, let me also balance that with Scripture that says this. Sometimes God says wait. Sometimes he says wait. And sometimes when he asks us to wait, it's because there's something more important that he is working out in our life that will bring him a greater glory are things that we don't see with our natural eyes that he is, he is working out with us. And sometimes he uses the situations and even illness or difficult times so that what can come from us looks more like him than like us. So sometimes he says, wait. We also know in Scripture that there is massive spiritual warfare that is going on right behind the scenes. It tells us in Daniel that the answer was delayed for 21 days because the enemy was so intent on stopping the move of God. Let me tell you something. If you've ever wondered why I should pray more, it's because there's a battle going on and the answer is on the way and I don't want it delayed. I want the armies of God to march right through the armies of the enemy. But how do you respond when God says wait? 
I would encourage you to surrender everything. There becomes a natural discouragement that can begin to settle in our heart when we feel as if God didn't answer in the way that we wanted. Boy, Lord, I'm feeling the same way walking out of church as I did coming in. I don't understand it all. You know what? If you just learn to say, Father, I don't know what you're doing, but I am going to surrender this whole issue to you. You do what you need to do. Just help me to maintain an atmosphere and an attitude that the supernatural can take place at the right time in my life. I do not want to disqualify myself from what you want to do because I've got a bad attitude. So help me, Lord, to learn to surrender while I'm waiting for that time when you say yes. And keep praying. And keep holding on firm to your faith. And that also leads us then into what do we do when God says no? I hate it when God says no. God sees things that we don't see. He has a plan that he is working out that our life will bring him glory. And we see an instance of this in Paul's life. Paul had what is described in the Bible as a thorn in my flesh and in other words, there was, you know, and theologians have battled over what that all meant. It was something that was annoying enough to Paul that he prayed more than once that God would take it away. Because in his life, he's thinking, if you will remove this annoyance or pain or whatever else, some people have said he, he had migraines, and I don't find in Scripture where it indicates, I just know that whatever it was, it bothered him. And he prayed three times, and God told him three times no. And so what he did was he began to recognize that I can either sit here in self-pity or I can get up and do what God has called me to do with this so that through my weakness people will see the strength of God. And that's what he did. He obeyed anyway. He lived anyway the way God would lead him. Then there was Lazarus that we all know from the New Testament that God could have healed him before he died. And how devastating it was to the family to have to go through a funeral and have Jesus show up four days later. And they're falling at his feet going, if you'd only been here, if you'd have just been here in time, none of this would have happened. And Jesus weeps with them all the time knowing that what's about to happen is to make them smile bigger than they've ever smiled before. Because he knew there was another purpose in this that was going to declare his glory. And he did something greater. So today, as we approach Jesus in just a few moments, we need to know that Jesus has been touched by our feelings and infirmities. He knows how we feel pain. He knows those times when you cannot go to sleep at night because you are hurting so badly, emotionally or physically. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Have you ever had moments where you're going, God, where are you? God, where are you? Do you know what I am going through today? And the scripture tells you, hang on to this because he knows exactly what you're going through. But we have one, a Savior, who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy to find grace to help us in our time of need. Oh, hallelujah. He knows we need his compassion. The Bible says that he took our infirmities as his very own. And we know that he delights in mercy. We also know that when we come and pray, that we are praying to the highest royalty. He has overcome the enemy. If there were a battle of power, our God wins every time. And we will be praying to the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus, because he has all power over sickness. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And as they do, let me just remind you what it says in James chapter 5. 
talks about the laying on of hands and the anointing with oil for physical healing. It says, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. We're going to be singing a song in just a moment, and I'm going to have you stand when we sing it. And at the end of that song, we're going to be inviting our, our, uh, our elders, our deacons, their spouses, the pastoral staff, and, and others who, who we've asked to come. And we're going to have groups. There's going to be at least one or two groups over here for women because we're going to ask women, please go to the women for prayer because, frankly, there are some things that you can share with a woman that understands your heart needs better than it will with a man. We'll have groups over here for men to come. If, if you want to come as a couple, then you can come to any group. And I believe we're even having some of our children that are prayer warriors coming up that will be standing over here for anybody that feels you'd like the childlike faith of children to be prayed in your life. I don't believe that there is a certain age and once they reach it, finally they can be used of the Lord. I want our children to grow up knowing knowing that in their hand in the power of God healing can flow because frankly they're not as self-conscious as we are God can use them in many ways